Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I'm happy to share the message of today's guest with you. Her name is Carla Bailey. Carla serves as the head of human resources, learning, and organizational development practices at Washington University where she's responsible for setting the strategic direction, developing and delivering university-wide learning content and programs that are associated with enhancing learning capabilities, organizational culture, and personal and professional effectiveness. Carla is the CEO as well of Carla D. Bailey Worldwide, which is a firm that helps organizational, individual, and women leaders unleash their inner greatness and be unstoppable in business and in life. She's a professional speaker and executive coach. I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about her experiences from the HR side and how levity factors into her approach to work, what she's seen that has worked and hasn't worked so well in business, and all of the different tips and tricks and and pitfalls and things that we need to be mindful of, things that we need to avoid uh, doing when we're out there practicing levity in the workplace. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. If you're trying to create this culture of fun, don't just dictate, here's what we're going to do. You may have ideas about what that culture should look like, but I wouldn't leave with that. I would actually hold back and I would pitch it to the team. And so what that would look like if a leader was having a team meeting, then they can say, here's what I want to do. I want us to create a culture of fun. And I want us to create a culture to where you look forward to coming to work. What would that look like? What would be some of your ideas and thoughts? I love what Patrick Lencioni says. He says, if people do not weigh in, they will not buy in. If you want people to have ownership and be committed, then you do that by giving them a voice. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Carla, can you tell me a little bit about how you happen to balance all of these hats? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot, but I, you know, it, it certainly takes grace to do it and intentionality about what's important, but I do it with the support of a loving family. I could not do it without them. So it's nice to be able to have an organization to where there is flexibility but also the consulting, you know, uh, they're both things that they're kind of aligned and I do the same thing, you know, all the time. And it's such a passion and you know what they say, when you do what you love, what you love to do, it's never work. And so I certainly love to do it and it never feels like work. I always find interesting when I talk to people about human resources, there's this every once in a while, you know, I, I hit someone with it and they have this visceral like, Ooh, oh no, <laughs> kind of a feeling. And and it's almost as if who would want to go into human resources? So can you tell me a little bit about how you got into 
this area of helping people and helping people within organizations. Did you like Carla as little girl Carla when they said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You said, I want to be the head of organizational development <laughs> at a very large, prestigious university. How did you um, get no, there? Yeah, that's a great question. No, it did not happen like that at all. And this was certainly not a part of my the dream that I had. I believe that helping people was always a part of the dream. I love people, people, I love the heart of people. And so actually how it happened, if I always tell this sometimes in my presentations or keynotes to people often at times that while I've had, I've been fortunate enough to be wildly successful in the business world, what I've always wanted to do, my first dream was to be on Broadway. Oh, I want big Broadway star. I did a lot of theater here in high school. I was a thespian and, and even participating in show choir. And so really my thoughts was I wanted to be a performer. I didn't want to be on Broadway. And so it was really kind of unique how I actually landed into leadership positions and, and in particular within HR. It really started with something that happened and experience when I was 15 years old. So my parents, 15 years old in high school, just really quickly, I'll give a high-level overview yeah. of it, have a summer job, but they want they didn't mind community service because they were very, you know, people of faith and who believed in giving back and helping others and serving others. So they would allow me to uh, do can to become a candy striper. And so one of the local hospitals here in St. Louis, I had an opportunity one summer to serve as a candy striper. And for the first four months of that assignment, I what they call, you know, someone who pushed around the courtesy cart. And for those of you that may not be familiar with a courtesy cart, but you know, you had your candy striper uniform on and you have this big cart that you would push around every day. You would first begin the day with going to the gift shop and you would load up the gift uh, the courtesy cart with all of the toiletries, magazines, and goodies and snacks. And then you would push that courtesy cart from floor to floor, from room to room, adding cheer and joy to patients that weren't able to quite of their beds. Wow. And so I enjoyed doing, doing that. It was such a delight. But I've always been ambitious and driven as a kid. And so I went to the director of volunteer services and I talked to her and I said, you know, hey, I really enjoy the first four months of being on courtesy cart detail, but is there more? You know, and if so, I would like to learn other aspects. I've always been, you know, had a very a curious spirit, you know, and, and loved learning. And so I wanted to see what else there was to learn. And so she actually gave me an assignment to report to, to another department on that Monday morning. That Monday morning, to my surprise, it was to report to the human resources offices of that hospital. That Monday when I got there, I talked to the director of, well, she was actually not the director, but the vice president of human resources. We sat down, we had an opportunity to chat about my aspirations, uh, a little bit about her career journey. And so she took me directly up under her wings and mentored me and gave me lots of opportunity to learn things that were really not really called or required for me to do as a volunteer. One of the things in particular was to sit in when she would talk to leadership. And back then it wasn't so much coaching, but as it was, was consulting. But I had an opportunity to sit in when she would talk to leaders uh, about some of the things that they were doing, maybe that was ineffective as a leader. And more importantly, when she had employee relations, when employees would come in and say they, that they were suffering at the hands of poor and ineffective leadership. 
And so to be able to sit and talk to her, we would debrief. And then I would talk to her about things I was learning because my parents would have us reading leadership books. And so I would talk about some of the concepts that I've learned through my reading and we would share and really watching her, really the books that I would read, that really kind of sparked or ignited a love of leadership in me. And ever since that ripe age of 15, I've dedicated myself to becoming a student of all things leadership. Wow. So I was actually about to ask you how old you were, because listening to all the context, it sounded like you were very young. And I could imagine how exciting, maybe even intimidating it must have been to sit in the room and to be in the room when it happens, if you will, to listen to these conversations about employee relations issues and getting to see from that angle, see the workplace from that angle? What was what was that like? Yeah, I, I tell you, to have a look into that window at such an early age, I tell you, it was pretty uh, spectacular, to be very honest with you. And I felt very privileged now, you know, looking back, very privileged to have that exposure so early on. And I would just sit and listen to people, you know, we talk about you know, creating this environment where people want to come to work back, you know, back then listening to some of those conversations, you know, I was sitting and observe and people weren't really loving the idea of coming to work every day, you know, because of, again, the way they would been led, they were being led by some of their leaders, you know, and so they really, you know, talked about how it was affecting sometimes even their health, you know, just not their moods. And I thought, wow, there has to be a better way that people should love what they do and people should have a right to come to work and enjoy and you know, and what can I do? And so that kind of, you know, really got me to focus on, I want to help. I, I want to help create this place where people love to come every day, not because they have to, but because they get to. And so that was really kind of, again, led me to this whole leadership journey in helping to influence. Ooh, I love influencers. that. So what's the secret? How did you, did you find that, that, that way to create an environment where people love what they do and they love to come to work? So, yeah, when you think about a leader, you know, and, and trying to create this culture of levity, which, you know, having a, a workplace or a culture of fun in the workplace, oftentimes I see leaders sometimes make a misstep, you know, or do something that's right. not as impactful. And what I mean by that is that they often go and do the research of what are other best practices, or they may talk to you know another peer about best practices. And while I am a big fan of doing research and gaining knowledge and insight and awareness of best practices, I always challenge leaders to not stop there. That's a part of the work, but the work doesn't stop there. You have to go a step further and then you have to do the additional work because I believe that there is this thing called, you know, best practice versus best fit. And what I mean by best practices versus best fit, you know, when you find those best practices and you become aware of those things, you know, a misstep oftentimes leaders will do is automatically start implementing those things within their particular culture or their particular teams. And they'll find that they're not, and they'll say, Carla, I did this and I did that, but it's not working. And I say, well, it probably would have been a more effective step if you invite your employees along the journey. And I use example, a very simple example, sometimes even before COVID within many workplaces, when you think of fun, most leaders go to, oh, let's do a pot office potluck. <laughs> yeah. Well, a potluck doesn't speak to most people. A potluck doesn't even speak to me. That's, you know, my, not my ideal fun and 
the morale in the workplace. And so I tell leaders, you have to go a step further and engage your employees and get to know them because each individual employee has different expectations, different motivational needs, and different things that's going to ways that they recognize or like to be recognized and rewarded. So that's gonna be different from one person to the next. So the way you find out what's important to your team, what's important to the individuals within your team or that make up your team, how do you get to know that? You spend time with them, you connect with them, whether that's with a, on a one-on-one basis or whether that's within a, within a team meeting. And then you help them to build. If you're trying to create this culture of fun, don't just dictate, here's what we're going to do. You may have ideas about what that culture should look like, but I wouldn't leave with that. I would actually hold back and I would pitch it to the team. And so what that would look like if a leader was having a team meeting, then they can say, here's what I want to do. I want us to create a culture of fun. And I want us to create a culture to where you look forward to coming to work. What would that look like? What would be some of your ideas and thoughts? I love what Patrick Lencioni says. He says, if people do not weigh in, they will not buy in. So if you want people to have, if you want people to have ownership and be committed, then you do that by giving them a voice. You have greater buy-in, you increase your buy-in when you give them an opportunity to speak into what, you know, what that culture will look like, what those plans may entail. And then you get to find out really what's important to them. I always tell you know, leaders oftentimes, if you are doing all the talking, then you're not, you're not learning because when you're talking, you're not learning. So you need to go in, ask the listener, be a listening leader. And so, yes, I would say, you know, building that culture has to be done in partnership and in collaboration with their team to find out what's going to be the most beneficial and the most impactful. So again, it's the best practice. You find out what's working in other environments and what successful leaders do, but then you do the best fit work. What of those best practices, how am I going to tailor it? And what's, what of those and which of those best practices will actually be the best fit for my particular organization or team? If, if you could give a company out there, as you've been in the field for a while now, if you could give a company out there uh, a Lead with Levity award because their employees, they love their work, they love what they do, they enjoy, they have a great work environment, customers are feeling the love as well. What, who would you give that award to? And I'm sure there are many but I would say here locally in St. Louis, I would say the Barry Waymiller company. And the reason I say that, because I, I truly kind of align with some of his concepts and philosophies. He has, he's a strong believer in uh, people matter. And so I love that concept because I, I really do believe if there are basic things that our employees or the people that we lead want from us. Right. They want to uh, be hired. They want to know that they matter and they want to be heard. And so, and that's just an umbrella, you know, of many things that are, that falls within those three buckets. But I would say he does a really good job, the Barry Waymiller company of leaning into letting people feel, you know, letting people know that they matter, that they, a people first philosophy, you know, and mindset that really kind of, that's ingrained into the culture. And so that's why I would say they are one of many companies that come to mind. Got it, got it. 
And I want to switch gears with you for a couple of seconds. I hope you'll indulge me. What does Carla D. Bailey like to do for fun? So I would say other than travel, the thing I love to do would be uh, Friday night, game night, or family night. We have family fun nights. Mm. We've had them since we're born. And my kids get to pick the you know, activity for the Friday. We have two kids, my husband and I. And, you know, so they kind of rotate what the activities will be. But I tell you, it is some of the best of times just to hear their laughter. Sometimes it's a board game when it's cold outside. You know, it's a family board yeah. game. It can be anywhere. The game of life. Sometimes it's Scrabble or, you know, it's something that we've maybe have even made up, you know. And so we're very competitive, but it's a really great time. It really keeps you grounded to what's really important at the end of the day. Yeah, right. You know, and on the world, I often say, even in the midst of this pandemic, that we're all in the same storm, but we're definitely not all in the same boat. You know, there are many people going through many different situations. And if you look around the world, there is so much going on. There's not, I always say that there are 99 reasons for anybody to venture down to the valley of despair. But how do you keep yourself? It's a conscious choice to keep yourself out of that valley of despair a conscious and intentional choice to say, and how do I personally do that is choosing gratitude helps me to stay focused and my family. So one of the things that we do daily is we talk about what are three things that you are grateful for today. And that always kind of brings it, you know, bring us back to a place of being centered. And, you know, when you think about the the simple things that you're grateful Mm -hmm. for, I'm grateful for my family, you know, that we're all healthy. I'm grateful for my kids and they're, that they're still laugh that they still have their laughter. Right. That brings joy to me. Out of all of the places that you've been, as you like to travel, and I know you're probably missing it quite a bit right now, what location are you missing the most? Yeah, I, I thought about that a little bit. I've been, I remember when I was in corporate, there was one of my uh, staff members and we would talk often in I would talk about this one particular place and it's here in the States. And he would say to me, Carla, you've been all out of the country, but you talk about this one place the most. And I didn't realize it until he kind of uh, called it to my attention, but it's Coronado Island and it's in uh, San Diego on the peninsula, but it's Coronado Island. And it's one of my favorite places, I think because I went there with my husband, we kind of didn't know much about the island before we went many, many years ago and have been back several times. But I just remember one, the first time we went, it was so peaceful. I remember him, one of my favorite pictures, he's sitting right on on the shore of the uh, ocean and he's sitting there and he's just looking out and it just looks like it's the most peaceful and calming moment ever. Like Mm. all is right with the, and so that place of stillness and that uh, calmness it's kind of, I often look at that picture and just kind of reminds me of just when life was more, just simpler times and really much, like I said, what's more important. And it's just a real simple picture. He's watching the sunset and it's just beautiful. But I really did enjoy, we, it was one of the best times that he and I had together too, uh, of just, yeah, yeah. I think at that time, it probably was the first time he we went, it was a very busy time in both of our careers in life. And it was just like, that's one of my favorite places. And so it just, there, we just walked everywhere. We didn't, we didn't need a car. Everything was done by the ocean from breakfast, you know, to everything. And it was just a really nice time. And I think, like I said, it was just his good company as well. 
Oh, I love it. That is so awesome. One thing that I would love to know, I'm, I'm curious, I want to pick your brain about this. From, from your perspective, uh, with your background and all of that, I have two questions for you. The first question is, is there any place for levity in the workplace? Oh, absolutely. I think fun, you know, when you think about creating a fun and engaging workplace, it, there are so many benefits, right? And one of the first things I can think about is that it creates greater innovation. It leads to greater innovation. And lots of times, one of the things I tell my team is that we will work hard, but we will equally mm. play just as hard as well. That was one of the first things I said, always tell no matter what team I'm leading, whether it's my consulting team or my team within Wash U, I believe that when you do that, when a leader takes the op, you know the time to invest in creating an environment of fun, it actually gives employees you know the right to to to. I, I think it provides a, a level of like I said, freedom. Yeah, you're sense, kind of right? modeling the it's way so for that. Stuffy. Correct. Yeah, and so it doesn't have to be so uptight. I think when you do that, people can show up as they're off. They. I think it almost gives them too. Uh, a little bit of the permission or freedom, again, to show up as their authentic self, you know, that there's not parts of them that they have to hide, but I can come here. This is a great environment that I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not, but who I am is good enough, absolutely good enough. And I can be creative. I can be innovative, you know, and it's a place to where, like I said, too, creating that environment to where not that I have to come to work. Certainly that's not what we the attitude we want employees to have, but we want them to be able to say it's a place that I get mm. to come. Boy, I get to come here. What a privilege. That's a different paradigm, a different shift from having to to getting to. Right. One is obligation, right? I have to. The other is privilege. What a privilege I get to. You know, and so people have been saying for years, you know, we spend most of our time at work, you know, than we do even more so than That's we do right. with our loved ones. And so why not love yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I, I think you even answered my last question, my final question, which was going to be if levity could fix one problem out there in the world, what would it be? And from what I'm hearing, you know, it would help us create environments where people feel like they can be authentic. They feel like they can let loose right. and, and be themselves. Yeah. And I think that's so important, like I said, too, I feel like when people cannot be authentic, you know, then they try to be a cheaper version of someone else. And that's only sells mm. themselves short. Right. And so we come to work like that. We want people to come to work and to show up as their authentic self, you know, that they feel like they're not not one aspect of, of you. Do you have that's to hide? Good. I'm, I'm you know just that, listening to you say yeah, that, and I'm like, don't be a Louis Vuitton knockoff, people. <laughs> be, be the real deal. <laughs> you are the real deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because I believe that every individual, every one of us has something special within us that the world desperately needs us right. to unleash, right? And when you pretend to be someone else, you rob the world and those in the world who desperately need your authentic self, you know, when you show up as someone else. We need what you have. Everybody has that something special within them. 
And sometimes we tend, you know, not to use it or we tend to hide it because we feel like, well, someone else is already doing this or, you know, so why should I do it? You know, or the world doesn't need this because they have so many other people doing it. But I don't care how many other people are doing it within the world, within your world of work, we still need you. Your special gifting has a place. And that's one of the things that I teach even with the greatness concept and you're unleashing your inner greatness because you have something within you that the world needs. Yes, maybe the other person or maybe there are many other people within the world of work or within the world at large that are doing similar things, but no one, no one has your DNA and only you can give us the gift that you possess within you. Mm. So don't rob us rob us of that gift. Yeah, I, you're saying that with such conviction, such passion, and I really do hope that our listeners are able to soak all of that up because right now a lot of people have been living in environments that are a little bit more constrained than what they're used to. For some people, they're feeling like, oh, my confidence has been shaken in this process. What I've come to expect has changed. I don't know what I can rely on right now. Life is completely upside down. So I think it's really, really an important message for a lot of people to hear, to soak up, to to really kind of live that out on a day-to-day basis. And I want to thank you for sharing that message with us today. And if anyone is interested in getting in touch with you, getting connected, learning a little bit more about you, where should they go? Yeah, they can follow me. I'm all over social media at Carla D. Bailey worldwide. And you can look up or just my name, Carla D. Bailey on Facebook, Instagram. And I'm also one of my favorite ways to connect with people is via LinkedIn. So just Carla D. Bailey, I'm on LinkedIn. I would love to connect. I believe that, you know, we're not created to be an island and uh, that we're meant to be in community. And so I always welcome the opportunity to connect with other powerful individuals because certainly we need one another. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.